Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Dr. Steven Eisenberg, who is the author behind the book, Love is the Strongest Medicine, Notes from a Cancer Doctor on Connection, Creativity, and Compassion. Steven is also known as the Singing Oncologist. And so we're going to talk all about how he creates songs with his patients and builds a super cool connection with them in some of the darkest times of their lives. We're talking about how well-being is a verb and his worst gig ever, which was pretty public. So you may have even seen it and might recognize it as Stephen is telling the story, but there's lots of good stuff all on there. He's also written a blog every single day since January 1st, 2017, coming up on close to 2,000 of those blogs total. So we're talking about that kind of consistency and building a habit into your daily life. And we also discover that Stephen is a big Seinfeld fan, so we are talking through some of our favorite moments from the show, Serenity Now, which isn't one of them, but I mean, that's a common phrase that almost everyone knows that is familiar with Seinfeld, so why not throw it in there? If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do so via goodpeoplecoolthings.com or sending an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. You can also Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All of those are GPCT Podcast. And if you head on over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop, you might notice one or two cool new things in the merch store. There's lots of goodies on there. And uh, you can also find some stuff on Etsy. So we'll drop a link in the show notes for that because, I mean, everyone's getting on Etsy during the pandemic. I did it very late. But I've been on there for a little bit and having people check some things out. But there's some Etsy exclusives on there. Still all fantastic stuff to help support a show that hopefully you enjoy. Just like I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Steven. Thank you for having me here. This is, uh, this is my life's work. I mean, creatively. And it sort of chronicles this crazy project that I started several years ago where um, in an attempt to connect on a true, really a, at a soul to soul level with my patients and, and, and in an attempt to sort of save my soul as a doctor, I started writing songs for my patients with my patients. We're co-writers and um it was it was it i called it lyrical life this the the lyrical life project and um it's all chronicled in here but why i why i started doing it was um one of my favorite artists his name's peter himmelman happens to be bob dylan's son-in-law that's for another podcast though but he he wrote a song for me when I was at one of my lowest points as a doctor. And how did it come to be? Well, it was a story writing contest. I was on, I, you know, I, I was on his email list and it was like one day I get this email, write a story of how Peter's music has impacted you in your life. So I wrote a story about 
being woken up all night as an intern and 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 being inspired by his song mission of my soul we should link it it's a great song mission of my soul it's like my anthem at the time of internship and residency because when you're when you have no, you're sleep deprived and you're being woken up every hour on the hour throughout the entire night you got to have a mission in your heart a mission of your soul to keep going to keep remembering why why am i doing this why do i want to be a doctor and uh so i wrote this story and uh little did i know i won and and so he took everything that I expressed in the story, you know, the, the few times I had sheepishly taken the guitar out into the chemo room and wrote some spontaneous lyrics for people sitting in their chemo chairs, you know, just sort of asking people, hey, what do you love to do when you go home and you're, you're not getting chemo? And the, the one song that always sticks out is Mary told me that she's got seven dogs she's got five cats she's got three goats she's got two cows so i just started writing mary's got five cats you know don't forget those dogs for show she's the greatest mary and i just like started playing this funny song and everyone started laughing they started smiling in a chemo room right like it it could be one of the most depressing places in the world but I wanted to create an a healing environment, one where people could sort of feed off of that little creative, you know, the laughter or whatever it was. They were silly songs to begin with. And so he wrote this song for me. And at the time, I was, I was going through a really hard, crazy time as a doctor. I was burned out, believe it or not. There's a compassion crisis in American medicine right now where burnout is rampant. And I was a, myself going through this horrible period of burnout where all my creativity was being pushed away into the corner. My guitar was, before I brought it into the chemo room those few times, was collecting so much dust. And I was just trying to be the perfect, most productive uh, you know, beat out all the competition. I was the new kid on the block for, for the practice to hire me in. So I had to prove myself. I had to prove that I was worthy of being part of this practice. And all of my, all of my creativity, all of my um, compassion was slowly being drained out by like the day-to-day -day slog and the business of being a private practice doctor and bringing the guitar into the chemo room was my attempt to try and rediscover who I was. And then I got the song from Peter and we, we, I'll send it to you. We can link it here. And what, what, what that did was it shocked me back into reality, meaning it was like CPR for me. And, and I write about this in the book, CPR meaning connection, presence, and resilience. I was disconnected to myself. 
I forgot why I was, why I wanted to be a doctor, why I wanted to be an oncologist. It wasn't to strive and beat out everybody and be the most productive, most successful. Uh Uh-uh. It was to bring love and light and laughter and creativity to people going through some of the hardest times of their lives. And hearing the song, the floodgates opened. I started crying hysterically because all these pent up emotions and all the frustrations and all the symptoms of burnout were just, it just flooded through me. And it, it was like a clink in the armor. It was like a, a crack in the armor and some light started to come in. And that's when I decided to go all in, to write the way he wrote a personalized song for me, to write a personalized song with you, the patient, all about what moves you, what touches you, what inspires you, what brings you to life. Because oncology is about living. It's not about dying. It's about living and thriving while dealing with one of the most horrible things you could ever deal with. And so that's how this this book came to be, because love is the strongest medicine to me is all about connection, reconnecting to who you are at your highest self and sharing that with other people. And so that's, <laughs> that's how the songs came to be. That's how I tried my best to meld the two worlds of creativity, compassion, and medicine. And, and not only did the patients, do they still love it? Some patients come in and go, where's my song? Like, like that's like the first thing they say to me when I walk in. Where we do, or, can we do a song when I finish my chemo? And some patients never heard about it, though, but... It's sometimes it happens organically, you know, they see something on online or something about the songs. So that's how it all came to be. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be here. And the book sort of chronicles this whole, you know, this whole path and all the lessons that I've learned from my patients of doing, being with people, having the privilege, it's really a privilege to be with people for 25 years where they're fighting for their life every single day. And in many cases, it's like just to wake up and go and come into the center and get whatever treatment they're on. And just to, it's really like, it's so inspiring to be with those, to be with my patients. And they taught me and continue to teach me more than I could ever impart to them. What's one of the lessons that they've taught you that was a surprising one? We were like, wow, I, I didn't expect that. <sighs> well, Dawn, she's, she's this amazing soul. She, uh, she dyed her hair purple. Lavender. No, she says, la- it's lavender, Doc. It's not purple. You know, she taught me the power of hope in uncertainty. So young mother, two young girls, and uh, breast cancer everywhere when we first met. 
And she, 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 you know, she said like, I feel pretty hopeless right now when we first met. And what she taught me was the power of your words and how you communicate to others and to yourself. Like she was just communicating that there was no hope, that she was a goner and that was it. So the first thing I had to do when I walked in that room, the whole goal wasn't for her to understand every little nuance of how we were going to treat the cancer and her too positive and all these new treatments. That was part of it. But it was just to create the possibility of hope in that 10 by 10 exam room. When you can speak to somebody who you just met, but in five to 10 minutes, we're talking as if she's my little sister. Because she's the same age as my little sister in real life. Uh, and so by the end of the visit, we're talking like she's my little sister. She's starting to understand that her type of breast cancer happened to be a lot more treatable because of this. It was her too positive and there's all these new treatments, these new monoclonal antibodies that we could give her. And she said it was her, her husband and her, and her parents. At the end of that visit, we did this like group hug, all five of us. And she said, this is the first time I felt hopeful. And it was all because the connection that we created, like brother, sister, and, and just, you know, just to be able to say there was, there was hope, there was hope to get a remission, to get a complete response. And her story's in the book. Um, and um, she very soon after that hope was created in the room was her scans were free. There was no sign of cancer. And so it, it was really cool. It was really cool. The power of your words that, uh, especially when you're an oncologist, like, I mean, talk about like people, um, you know, sitting on the edge of their seat to listen to everything you're saying. This is like life and death. So I can't tell you how many times I, I, I hear from people all over the world, like, yeah, like the communication sometimes is lacking. They're, they feel disconnected to their care team. And so the first thing is I say is connection. Reconnect to who you know yourself to be. And that's also just the, the songs really, at their, if you break them down, they're just an attempt to help people reconnect to their highest self. Because I'm all the, the lyrics are all about what you love, what inspires you, what moves you, what touches you, what brings you to life, what lights you up. And it's never never about the cancer, never about the diagnosis. It's always about what fills you with joy in those hardest moments. Because people always say, What do I say? My 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 best friend was just diagnosed with cancer. What do I say to them? 
what do I, 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 I don't, I don't have the perfect, perfect thing I can, I can say or get them or do for them. What can I do? You can listen because there is no perfect thing to say to someone. One thing to not say to somebody because they've heard it too much and it doesn't mean anything to them when they've first been diagnosed with cancer is just think positive. It doesn't connect because you're, you're filled with anger. You're, you're pissed off. You're, you're in shock. When you hear those three words, you have cancer, your body goes into a post-traumatic stress state. All we can do is listen and send love and understanding. And slowly, this you can slow it down. And slowly, the ultimate goal is to take that post-traumatic stress of the diagnosis and start to slow it down and start to reverse it. And by the end, hopefully, from my lips to God's ears for anybody who's going through it, you go into this post-traumatic growth, post-traumatic wisdom. Like you're a changed human being for having gone through that. And you have all this wisdom, all this growth, because you made it. You made it through that first treatment. You made it through that first scan. You made it through that first whatever it is for you. And it's not just cancer. That's why the book's called Love is the Strongest Medicine. It's for anyone who's struggling and could use a little love, a little reminder of who they are in their heart. Even your, you can even get reconnected to your doctors. And that's, that's part of my mission, right? To sort of break down the wall, the wall that's between doctor and patient that we're actually taught, you know, keep it this, um, keep a wall, keep this wall. So you're, you're, you're not too emotional with your patients. And that's been shown. That has been shown to be the thing that predisposes doctors most to burnout when they are, uh, when they have the biggest, tallest, hardest, thickest wall between them and the patient, you start to disconnect to who you are as a doctor, who you said yourself to be, who you wanted to be, who you wanted to help people, wanted to connect and wanted to bring healing to people. The compassion research is now like catching up to all the years and years of what we knew, like we wanted, we wanted to help people, but this wall has been created. So we got to break it down. And then when you actually can get deeper, deeper and deeper connected to your life and to your patients, symptoms of burnout paradoxically go away. It's not that you are, oh, I'm now I'm emotionally invested and I now I'm so burned out because of the emotions. It's the exact opposite. You got to do a George Costanza, the exact opposite of what you think you should do. Disconnect and not be there, not be there fully and connected with your patient. It's the opposite. So the songs in such a deep way was like my, my I was crying out to, for connection. And, and all of my burnout symptoms slowly but surely went away. So for me, that was the love. But for someone else, it's drawing, it's listening to music, it's writing, it's journaling. It's any type of creative expression that you guys can share. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think any kind of creative outlet like that does so much more than we we can even know as we're going through it. And I, I do kind of want to tell you, have touched on this a little bit of your writing with your patients, but what does that songwriting process look like? Do you have like a checklist of like, give me these like five things you like, and then you kind of weave it in? Or is it kind of like you're writing the lines together? How does that look? I call it the songwriting session. It's usually like, okay, we've done all, we've gone over your We've gone over your scans. We've gone over your blood work. We've got five minutes at the end of the visit. So I take out a blank piece of paper and I just ask random, like whatever comes up. Like, I like the question, you know, what's the secret of your marriage, for example, if they're married? Because a lot of my patients, oh, I've been married 50 years. And like, what? (laughs) how'd you guys meet? What's the secret? I like that one. What were you like as a kid? Um, what would you put on a billboard that's going to be there for five years, no matter what? And it's just going to be whatever you want to say to the world. There are no rules. I A lot of times I'm just scribbling down things they say, phrases, um, where they were born and and what it was like for them. And and I get like two two to three pages of just scribbling notes. It's all just things that they've shared, like just just random thoughts they've had from and, and, and there's no there is no checklist. It's a great idea. It would probably make it easier. <laughs> there's no I love that idea, but there's no checklist. It, it, it's sort of just organic. And from these notes. There's a few phrases that stick, you know, and I've got to see them. I've gotten to be with them, at, you know, at their at their scariest time in their life and it's vulnerability and vulnerability is 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 just so beautiful and and so when i'm when i can be vulnerable back and i can perform this song for them that they created with me i've seen people's lives change just because they've heard their the, the most beautiful parts of their life come back in a two and a half minute little ditty that they wrote with me. And, you know, on some spiritual level, I think their mind and their body and their, and their soul are sort of unified in that moment and become like a really strong ally in the fight against whatever they're up against. The research in, in this wonderful book I've been, I've been reading called compassionomics it's it's all the studies on compassion and you can give the same exact treatment to the to two people one delivered with beautiful compassion and one just delivered just straight just very rote but the same beautiful exact treatment and the right treatment and the patients who are delivered with compassion they actually do better it's crazy it's crazy that, and it doesn't take, doesn't take songwriting. It doesn't. For me, that, that was my thing. It, and it doesn't make your visit go an hour longer. They also showed you can, you, can, you can foster that compassion and deliver that compassion with not a, a being a second longer in the room with a patient. I went to med school thinking, could I, could I learn how creativity can tap in to the brain and how can that aid 
And for me, I chose cancer patients because it was like, that seemed to me to be some of the darkest times you can go through. And if I could do just a little flicker of light, a little, I mean, that that's where I thought I could make the biggest impact. And uh, I didn't know how I was. I didn't go into it thinking I'm going to bring my guitar into a chemo room. But it was that, like I like I said in the beginning, it was like this aha moment that not only would my patients like this, but maybe my soul needed this. And for for my guitar geek, my fellow guitar geeks, I what what kind of guitar do you have? <laughs> I have it right over there. Uh, <laughs> it's an Ovation Legend Cherry Burst. I got it in med school. I had. I, it made me bro- it i got i was broke after i bought this thing <laughs> i was playing a beat up guitar that i found in my attic it was my dad's it was it was a righty so i had to restring it lefty and then i i went to medley music on, on lancaster avenue in philly and this thing was sitting there it was the only lefty in the store <laughs> and i was like Whoa, I love that color. Oh, it's a great color. And uh, this thing's old. I mean, I got this thing in like 93 or something. So it's really, you know. Oh, still sounds great. (laughs) Cool things. I'd have to go deep into your origin story. Oh yeah, and then, yeah. We, we'll, and then I could, I then I could really write a good song for nice you. Know that, yeah, that's fantastic. I just always, I always love uh, chatting through. There, I mean, there's, I'm not gonna say I'm a guitar pro. Like, there's plenty of people who are like, oh yeah, I have this, and I'm just like, I can't picture what that looks like. But um, I have, I have one that's a very similar color. It's my dad's old uh, Gibson SG, and it's kind of got cool. that like cherry one. And talking about old guitars, I'm pretty sure that's from like 1977 or something like that. So nice. it's just like, it's and it still sounds so good. And I'm just like, I hope I can keep taking care of this. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility awesome. having that. <laughs> is it in the room? Is it in the room where you are? It's not. No, it's I. Wow. I have my guitars uh, not super close to the podcast studio, but um, <laughs> I also have. I got to give another shout out to. I uh, I have a Hofner. Uh, guitar which i had never heard of before until i saw it in a store and they at least this one looks like a violin but it's a guitar so it's like a gorgeous looking violin guitar and it's got kind of like a jazzy bluesy sound uh, which is quite the contrast to some of the other ones i've played so i like uh, i like having that as a little mix up but it needs to be restrung it It is very badly out of tune and i think missing a string i love this thing i had to get this thing rebuilt my kid dropped it once and it had a huge crack in it you know, this is like, I can never get rid of this thing. I thought, well, maybe I'll sell it and upgrade it. But, you know, I know. your first guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Once you hit like, that point, you're like, nah, you can't. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize it until now. It sort of matches the color. Wow, of the yeah. <laughs> I didn't. That wasn't planned. That's some good color scheming, though. Whoever, that wasn't whoever designed planned. that cover. Yeah. It wasn't planned. <laughs> I teased this that I was going to ask you this before we started recording, but have you ever had uh, a a guitar performance that was not so good that I <laughs> classify as your worst gig? Um, 
does does America's Got Talent count? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> yes. One day I come to my office and there's a note on my desk and I'm like, oh, uh, I got a probably, you know, hospital calling to go see a patient. And it says, <laughs> it says, America's Got Talent called. <laughs> Please call back, producer. I'm like, oh, my medical assistant's messing with me. This is ridiculous, right? They're like, no, no, it's not a prank. Like, Lindsay called from AGT. So I call back. I'm like, what's this all about? Like, we saw your, we we saw you online that you, you know, you, you write songs with your patients and we think it's a really heartwarming story. Uh, Please come on the show. (laughs) Like, I'm not a professional singer. You know, I, I throw together songs for, for, you know, people going through cancer and they love to hear, you know, they love to see their oncologist create something with them. I can't go up against like <laughs> an 18 year old, you know, uh, with a beautiful voice who's, you know, going to be signed to a pop star contract. <laughs> um, no, Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, no, no. Fame behind no, yeah. <laughs> not at all. So, but I did it. I did it because. I wanted to spread this message of love to the world that that a doctor and a patient could come together and write a song, but I couldn't I couldn't bring a patient up there because it's it was it wasn't the right thing. So I wrote I wrote a song about my overbearing mother <laughs> <laughs> who followed me to San Diego from Philadelphia, and. It just fell flat and it was, I was almost trying to create like a comedy bit out of it. And it was just, they didn't get it. They just didn't get it. The audience didn't get it. Nobody got it. And it was almost a spoof, but I got like, "Eh," like four X's. It was like public uh, humiliation, but, um, you know, I really grew from the experience. I, I, I'd been through plenty of failures in my life before then, but not so publicly. And um, at the time, I think it was the most watched show in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like, well, you know, I learned a lot because um, it, was, it was really at that point, it was really learning how to, how to pick yourself up off the canvas and not, not be dissuaded, not be, not be uh, stopped. And, and um, it just sort of made me recommit to the patients even, even deeper. Wouldn't you know it, after that crazy experience, one year, pretty much to the day, I got the deal to Ooh. write this book. So from failure, and my friend said to me, one of my oldest friends, Kevin, said to me, that part of you had to die on stage for the book to be born. Well, that's great. It was sort of interesting, <laughs> like, because I did. I died on stage. Like, you know, when you say, I, I, you know, you, in comedy, you either kill or you bomb. Well, I bombed, like, you know, like, I'm dying up here. I died on stage. But sort of that 
it was very interesting that that part of me had to go through that for the love is the strongest medicine to be born. And I thought that was a cool way of framing it. But it was it was a crazy it was a crazy experience. I couldn't hear I couldn't hear the music and I, and I wanted to do like a like a change the words to a known song. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that. It's not allowed because of all the copyrights. You either have to do like an, you know a song that's known or an original. So I did an original song about my overbearing mom. <laughs> 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 a lot of mothers in the crowd. They were just like, no, no, no. And it was like, no. I got like a thousand comments like, mama's boy. And it was just, it was funny. It was really funny. <laughs> I, but that was, that was a huge, hilarious failure. <laughs> but a great story after the fact, which is always why I enjoy reflecting It took on a those. few years yeah. to be able to talk about yeah. it and make fun of it. Yeah, it's terrible in the moment, but then afterwards. And like you said, a book was born out of it, which I think it is was. probably probably more than I think a lot of people can say with their, their failures. Yeah, I had to go through it. I had to learn that, that, that failure can be beautiful. And you know what? My patients loved it. They came in and they, that was great. Like, they loved it, you know? And, and you know, the so... Um, they lifted me back up again. They lifted me back up again. It was because it was a patient. It was a patient um, named Flavi. Her story's in the book that called me out when I was when I was burned out. I walked into her hospital room one day, and we were. Uh, she was in there. She's eighty years old. She smoked her whole life. And she's she was in there because she she wasn't doing well with the chemo. I walked in, you know, not feeling great. Morning, Flavi. How are you today? Remember, she's got like less than six months to live. She stops. She looks at me right in the face, right in the eyes. How you doing there, kid? Forget about me for a minute. I'm going to get out of here. Don't worry. But you, how are you doing today? Because I got to tell you, you look like crap. <laughs> and she she could see it in my face. She could see it because I, again, this thing wasn't part of my life. It was, you know, it was collecting dust. It was... And I had lost that spark that, that, you know, in my soul. So she called me out. How are you going to take care of all of us if you can't take care of yourself? Come here, kid. Let me give you a hug. So I'm like, what, what is this? You know, I'm, this is a hospital. Like, like, is this a spoof? So I walk over to her. Like, Damn right. I'm going to. So I. We, she hugs me and don't forget she was a dancer in her younger in her younger years so she we start she's we start to do a little dance and we're dancing a little bit in the hospital room and she goes you gotta let go of the stress kiddo because if you don't this job's gonna kill you 
and we need you to be at your best. This woman, she had a few months left to live. And one of her biggest commitments in that moment and for <laughs> weeks, uh, weeks following was to make sure that I got my life back on track and started to meditate and do yoga and bring that guitar into the chemo room that first time. You got to be yourself. So it was like my patience took a stand for me to be the best I could be. And so that's sort of, um, that was a big deal. And that and Peter's song, the patience rallying around me to get back to who I knew I could be and hearing it all in a song, those two things changed my life. And then the fight, and then, you know, years later, the, the whole AGT debacle, that was really, that's what I think really led to the birth of this book. Cause I, I had been, I had, I had this idea for 20 years. I wanted a book. And I wrote all these different proposals and all these different ideas, but none of them were quite there. It's really hard to get a to get a to get a the right book deal. I was very attached. I, it had to be the right book. It had to be the right thing. It had to be the right publisher. It had to be this. It had to be that. It was like this attachment. And after after AGT, you know, I learned to sort of let go of that. And let go, let let go of expectations. That it had to look a certain way and be a certain way, and it and and winning looked like this and failing looked like this. Because I didn't see AGT as a failure. I saw it as as a a shout out to my patients. This thing will change lives because we all need love right now. There's too much hate in the world. And we're disconnected from ourselves and from each other. But I got to tell you, man, I feel connected to you right now. And I can feel the love, the brotherly love. I'm from Philly, the city of brotherly <laughs> love. Oh, shit. I just thought of that. The city of brotherly love. <laughs> it's all That's coming great, together. <laughs> Joey. Because because. My um my music name is Skinny Philly Kid because I used to be super skinny, have a fro, buck teeth, and everyone just said, "Who's that skinny kid from Philly?" Like, because I got I got picked on as a as a kid. I was so skinny. Again, I had to learn how to love myself. Skinniness, buck teeth, big hair, everything even though I was bullied. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to um, really get present to the love in your life and self-compassion, self-compassion. And that's one thing I stress in oncology because people are uh, patients. My patients like to come in and go, you know, they like to, they feel almost like self-blame. Oh, if only I woulda, shoulda, coulda done this differently. Uh-uh. What happened, happened. Here we are. We're going to deal with it. Can't look back. 
That's not going to empower you at all. It's just going to disempower you. We're going to deal with what we need to deal with today, come up with a plan of what we're going to do tomorrow, and you're going to try and be present each day. It's not easy. It's probably the hardest thing in the world to be present in your life when you've going through something as scary as cancer because of all the uncertainty. Am I going to be here in six, nine, 12 months? But, you know, the hardest thing we can ever ask of ourselves is to keep every day, every day, just creating it. I'm going to be here. I'm going to do some things today. Then I'm going to do some things tomorrow. My friend, my, uh, my college roommate said, the thing that gets him through the hardest times of his life is to just do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Like, okay, wow. Like, what's the next right thing? Well, let Joey talk. <laughs> that's the next right thing right now. So let Joey have some time to talk. Like, that's like, okay, that's the next right thing. That feels right. That segues very nicely into the next question as well. So it's like it's like you teed it up perfectly. <laughs> but uh, something I like to ask is something that you wish you were asked more frequently. And you wanted to chat about your Daily Dose blog, which you've done every day oh. since January 1st, 2017, which means you're on year five of it, if my Holy rudimentary moly. math is correct, which is crazy and i think that's a and, and crazy in a good way of course not like but like well they're not anything, yeah but, they're, they're yeah but how have you yeah how have you kept up with that over running on five years now on every day it came out of um being inspired by by seth godin and i bought he put out these huge mega books and it was like, you know, the best of his blog from 20, 2006 to 2012 or something like that. And it's this thick and it's so heavy. I don't have it in this room, but. And, you know, I had just failed getting a, a book deal or something. And I just thought, you know what? Just start writing each day. I'd heard it. I've heard everyone say, you know, you got to keep that muscle going. You got to keep that muscle strong. Just keep writing every day. Just keep writing. And Seth says, you know, ship it, ship it, hit publish. So, you know, I really, I really worked at it and um, they're short. They're very short. They're the longest ones, probably one minute read, maybe two. Some are just acronyms like, I've had, you know, I'll have, I'll just say like love, listening, observing, verbalizing, empathizing, love. And that's just the, that's just the blog post for that day. Um, I love coming up with, with creating sort of new acronyms for things. So they're just little, I just call them little uh, daily dose of, of, health and wellness inspiration but you know what they're they're a lot of times it's just for me to remind myself um because i can't write a song every day for a patient but these little these little nuggets are like little reminders to myself after a crazy long day 
I just take a moment and maybe the whole process takes 10, 15 minutes because then I'll pick a nice picture to go with it and I'll put it up and I'll hit publish on the blog and it's there. And you can go in there. You can go to drsteven.com, drsteven.com with a V, and you can search and you can just put anything in and these daily doses will come up if they're, if there's a relevant search term. And some of them are pretty good. And what we did was we took some of the little excerpts of them and some of them are the, you know, like in a chap, the beginning of a chapter of the book, it'll say like, here's one, for example, chapter two is called my way. Every, every chapter is a song, a song title. And that song sort of is the theme of that chapter. This is called my way. And it just starts with, you may lose, but don't lose yourself. You may feel abandoned, but don't abandon yourself. You may not know the answer, but know who you are. Daily Dose, May 14th, 2020. And that was during the pandemic. So there's little excerpts of them to start off the chapters. And so who knew they'd be used in my, you know, so like you never know, right? You never you never know, but I do think that there is something to deliberate creativity. My friend, um, Dr. Galati is writing a book called Deliberate Creativity. It's not out yet, but, um, you know, forcing yourself to produce something every single day. It's challenging. Sometimes I don't want to do it. And there's been times where I've skipped a day and then did two the next day. But again, doesn't have to be perfect. But there is one there every single day <laughs> from January 1st, 2017 until now. It's like over 1,500. I don't know how many it is. You'd have to go to Google and say days since 1117. <laughs> but it's, it's over. It's, it's, we're getting close to 2,000 at some point. I thought maybe if this first book does well, they'll maybe they would pub publish a bunch of some of the best ones, like, you know, like 365, blah, 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 you know, like one of those kind of, yeah. but who knows? <laughs> well, either way, that's exciting that some of them have gotten in and, and looking forward to more. And I love it. The repurposing content, which is always always something I like preaching. So I love I love seeing that in action. And again, segueing nicely. It's, we're all about the segues here into I like our it. top three. I'm repurposing something that you said earlier about George Costanza and always doing the opposite, <laughs> which I feel like is a good enough. That's that's like a deep enough pull that I assume you're a pretty big Seinfeld fan. Good people, cool things. Who are these people? What are these cool things? <laughs> very solid Seinfeld. Very solid Seinfeld. Thank you. So, I know. That's like, that's like Jimmy Fallon doing Seinfeld. <laughs> but I still like it. Who are these good people? And what are these cool things they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to let you choose your own ending here with the top three. Either your top three... Seinfeld quotes or your top three Seinfeld episodes? <laughs> I mean, I can't think of them right now, but I would say <laughs> let's go episodes. Um, doing George doing the opposite for sure. Um, Elaine doing the bad dance. 
<laughs> She's so good at the, bad dancing. I can't do the leg kick, but you know, I'm I'm trying to get that. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's impressive flexibility. Well done. Leg kick. <laughs> so George doing the opposite. The leg kick. And then um, last but not least, um, can you spare a square? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think, you know, Jamie Gertz. I was always a big Jamie Gertz fan, and she's the can you spare a square person. And um, <laughs> I don't know why I love that one. But those three, that came to mind. And uh, yeah, I think I aspire to write one joke as good as Jerry one day, one day I'll do it. When I go and just do a chemo concert, the, the personalized songs are real, you know, they're more emotional and deep, but they're still, they still make them smile. The thing, the next thing I'm going to do is, <laughs> is to <laughs> do some, to do some stand up in the, co- in the chemo room. <laughs> and I start off with a bit like, even if I suck, you guys just can't get up and walk out. <laughs> it's really bad. I know it's horrible. You're 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 sort of <laughs> trapped here for a few hours. So, well, if I suck, too bad. But um, um, so I love st- I love the art of stand up, and I think it's the hardest thing to do. I think it, it to be good at it, like Chappelle and Michael Che and Chris Rock, like. Jerry, I mean, those guys, to be able to do, my goal is to be able to do a solid five minutes in the chemo room that makes people laugh while getting chemo. That's my next, that's going to be the next book. You'll have the uh, the Showtime at the Apollo Kane ready, <laughs> ready to pull you off if need be, but... I mean, I'll yeah. I'll go on tour to get to chemo rooms, <laughs> not clubs. I'll call my friends who are oncologists. Hey, can I play your chemo room for five minutes? <laughs> it's ridiculous, I know, right? I mean, comedians but, are always saying those small small venues are their favorites, right? Because you get such an intimate setting. But so who needs it. laughter? Who needs laughter more than someone who's hooked up to to some cancer treatment and they're trapped there for three hours? If I can. If these songs are a bit makes them somebody smile for and they and they're just taken a, distracted from getting chemo for a minute or two, that's like that's like winning that's like winning an Emmy for best best comedy special because you have to give yourself permission to laugh because you know again, you have cancer, those three words it's like shut down and it's like how can i laugh how can i have fun like you got to give yourself permission and it's and it's like deliberate creation you have to create it watch 50 episodes your first your 50 most favorite episodes of seinfeld back to back to back until you start to laugh a little like you got to have that permission. You got to give yourself permission to laugh, permission to cry. Again, you don't have to go go through this perfectly. If you're having a bad day, it's okay to have a bad day. 
It's okay, I tell you, it's okay to have a bad day. Chemo sucks, chemo sucks, chemo sucks, chemo sucks, and it's okay to say it. Chemo sucks. It's that same thing that the mother of all psycho-oncology, she's a psychiatrist. She was amazing. She wrote this amazing book about the psychology of going through cancer. And one of the chapters in the book is the tyranny of the pot, the tyranny of a positive attitude, meaning everyone coming at you, just be positive, just be positive. Just It's okay to be like, I'm having a shitty day and I hate this. Like you got to let that out. And so as a caregiver, just listen to that and you don't have to fix it or change it. I got it. Today sucks. And then when you can, when, when that's fully expressed, when there's nothing else for them to say, it's all out. Then there's that little, that little crack in the armor and a little light comes in and just maybe there's a little something on the other side of that, a little opening. All right. Well, what's the next right thing to do? Well, in in this case, I think the next right thing to do is to let you plug your stuff because we've we've reached the end of the episode. <laughs> so if people want to learn more about all that you do, if they want to check out a copy of your book, where can they find you? Well, you can get it anywhere books are sold. Anywhere. It's from Hay House. Um, when it first got released, it went to number one new release. Ooh. It was a number one new release under the entire cancer category, Congrats. which is pretty cool. That's awesome, yeah. So um, I'm excited. Three days, whenever this comes out, but the book's birthday is May 25th, 2021. And I just got a call from a doctor asking me to go see someone at the hospital. And she goes, I just want to let you know, my birthday is the same birthday as your book. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so she ordered it. Nice. But you can get it on Amazon or anywhere, Barnes, you know, any place books are sold. Or you can go to drsteven.com, drsteven with a V.com. And there you can also join my private Facebook meetup for cancer patients. And it's called Dr. Steven's Cancer Fight Club. I like that. And and we're just going to create a we're just creating a community where, where we're going to just love each other through it. We're just going to and we're going to teach the principles of the book. And and I'm personally leading everyone. And uh, once a month, we're going to do it and we're going to just. Give each other lots of love and support. Doctors will be on there. Patients will be on there. And we're just going to. We're just going to love each other through it, through it all. And um, I want to say thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. And of course, we got to end with a corny joke. Maybe this will find its way into your set one day. Um, but I was, I was just retold this joke recently. And I, it always makes me laugh. So we'll do it here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a group of tomatoes walking along the path. And one of them starts falling behind. And it goes, it goes, Mommy, Mommy, I'm falling behind. And the mom walks back and steps on it and says, ketchup. <laughs> Get after it today, people. <laughs> I love ketchup. I love that. <laughs> ketchup. I really love that one. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people 
hear the show, as always, you can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.